2020, a new decade. We all had ideas of what it was supposed to be, high school, college graduations, maybe big summer vacation plans with the family. Instead, 2020 turned into a time to celebrate on social media that prized purchase of toilet paper and binge watching Netflix and maybe even learning how to cut our own hair. Coronavirus has flipped our world upside down like never before. Then just as we began to see some hope that life would soon be going back to some semblance of normal, things went from bad to worse. Few outside of Minneapolis ever heard the name George Floyd. Yet overnight, his name became known worldwide as the latest victim of police brutality and racial discrimination. The reaction? Police cars were burned, storefronts were broken into, riots and looting began, and an already divided nation was further separated. I've heard the news, both liberal and conservative views. I've heard from politicians, from Black Lives Matter. I've heard from friends, both black and white. And I've heard from those who even think whites are now being discriminated against. Everybody has an opinion, everybody. I have an opinion too. I'm sure you're on the edge of your seat just waiting to hear it. Okay, so if you're still listening, here are my thoughts. I need to warn you though, I'm pretty simple-minded. I'm a practical person. So let's start with some common ground. We're all human beings. I hope no one wants to argue that. On that basic biological level, we are all the same. A surgeon would tell you that beneath that one-tenth of a millimeter of epidermis, this part of our skin that has pigmentation, our anatomy is basically the same. Now, as a kid in Sunday school, I would innocently sing that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, as true as that song is, it isn't considered politically correct today. I was born in 1965, just 10 years earlier, 14-year-old Emmett Till was brutally beaten to death for flirting with a white woman. And Rosa Parks famously refused to give up her seat on an Alabama bus. 1965 was filled with racial tension. In 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis. Just three years later, I began the first grade. My family lived in an apartment complex that year, and one of my first grade classmates lived just a few apartments down from us. His name was Dwight, and we became good friends. Dwight was black. I knew he was black, but I don't remember thinking anything of it. We were just first grade boys. We threw the football, we rode our bikes, played with our cap guns and chased down the ice cream truck every once in a while. One of the few vivid memories that I have of our friendship came in October of 1971. Our new school building was right in the middle of a newer residential area. Our school celebrated Halloween that year with a big school parade. All of the students, grades K through six, dressed up as their favorite characters, and we marched around the entire school block. It was about three quarters of a mile. I was Frankenstein. 
Some of you may remember the plastic jumpsuit costume that came in a box with the thin plastic mask and the elastic band around it. It wasn't quite as elaborate as we can be today, but nonetheless, it was parade time. This was a big deal back then. I remember parents lined up along the streets as we walked the parade route. They were waving at familiar faces and taking photos, but what I still remember to this day about that moment causes me to soberly reflect on my friendship with Dwight 50 years ago. You see, Dwight and I not only walked next to each other on that Halloween parade route, but I distinctly remember us holding hands and swinging our arms like six-year-old friends might do. We were smiling and having a good old time. I also distinctly remember the reaction of parents on that route. Instead of waving at us, they were pointing, some laughing and some just staring with a blank look on their faces. It was obvious enough for a happy six-year-old kid to notice and remember it 50 years later. Why would that stick in my brain? I wish I could go back to that day and relive it as a 55-year-old middle-class white guy. At six years old, I didn't know anything about racial tension. If I had, I'm sure I would have struggled to understand why one human would hate another, especially over skin color. My family moved the next year because my dad got a new job in a different city. I sometimes wonder where Dwight is today. I wonder how different our lives were growing up. Although I went to different schools over the next few years and had other classmates and friends who were black, I primarily hung out with the white kids, probably just because those white friends lived closer to me. But I do remember in my teen years wondering why black kids my age talked so much about discrimination. I mean, I remember thinking, what did they know about slavery or discrimination? They were drinking from the same school water fountain that I did. They used the same restroom I did. They went to the same school as me and were able to go to college and eat at any restaurant they wanted. It wasn't the 1960s anymore. Weren't they just riding on the coattails of their grandparents and great-grandparents who actually faced real discrimination? Maybe. Then I remembered Dwight. Maybe he didn't notice the looks that we were getting in the parade that day, or maybe he already, as a six-year-old, was used to those looks, those pointing fingers. Could it be that because I wasn't hanging out with my black friends that I no longer was able to see the looks and the finger pointing that they saw each day while growing up? Could it be that their parents couldn't get the higher paying jobs to live in nicer neighborhoods just because of their skin color? Maybe I understood a bit more clearly what white privilege means. Maybe my black friends did have a steeper hill to climb than I. Anyway, back to being human beings. Like it or not, Genesis 1:27 says, God created man or humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now here's where we start losing people. Creation? What about evolution? I don't believe in God, but we weren't created equal. Well, here's the fork in the road. 
This is where it all starts. This, I believe, is where we begin to divide and think differently. If we believe the Bible is God's word and that it is the foundation and the compass for all of our life, then we take that direction. We can then look at Genesis 1:27, and it begins to answer questions for us. Now, if you don't believe in God, then, well, I'm not sure what to tell you. Without a foundation of belief, without a standard for your life on which to guide your decision-making, I'm not sure how you even navigate through life. For those on the same journey as me, God makes it clear that we are created by Him and in His image. That alone gives every one of us intrinsic value. Psalm 139 says that God knit each of us together in our mother's womb, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How awesome. Flash forward to 2020. I sometimes wonder if God is trying to get our attention with coronavirus. Maybe he's tired of seeing division over self-centered ideals. We are all humbly born and all of us will die. So what makes me better or more important than you? Who my parents are, my education, my income, where I live or what I drive, the color of my skin, don't fool yourself into believing that you are more important than the orphan or the widow, than the beggar or the family down the street on food stamps. Some of us were born into families with more opportunities than others. Others have made their own opportunities. Either way, does it make one better than the other? Ask the surgeon if there's a difference when he slices us open. I know, but it's true. If you're still listening, these are my thoughts. I'm pretty simple-minded, I'm a practical person. I also believe that the Bible gives me the guidance and the direction that I need to navigate this life, not on my terms, but on God's terms. You see, I believe He knows best. Now you probably think I'm making this oversimplistic, but I believe that there is hope for our world for my country. I don't believe you need to be a theologian or a doctor of philosophy to figure it out. I believe the change that our world needs has to start in the heart of God's creation, the creation he made in his image. Our response has been reactive, which is not helpful in any way in moving forward towards a solution. We're defacing monuments, we're tearing down statues, burning businesses, banning movies, and demanding the defunding of law enforcement. It's gone so far as to push Legos to remove police officers from Lego sets. For Paw Patrol to remove Chase, the police dog, from the cartoon. None of these things move us towards resolving the problems that we're seeing in our world. It just makes things worse. I believe all of this starts with us. It is all a heart problem. It has to begin in us. If I start looking at my own little world through God's eyes and push my selfish agenda aside, things will change. And hey, if you would do the same, 
and your neighbor and the person sitting next to you in church or in the grocery aisle or wherever you are, things will change. Could it be that simple? Now, I'm by no means disregarding the reprehensible actions and attitudes directed towards African-Americans or other people of color throughout our nation's history. We need to stand firm against those criminal acts and fight for justice. We've recently seen peaceful demonstrations where black and white show their love and respect for one another. We've also seen law enforcement demonstrate their love and respect for black protesters. What if we all pushed down our pride and began looking out for one another, regardless of our skin color or where we live or what we drive, where we go to school? What if we began to look at people who have a different skin color without any stereotypes and just see them as human beings created by the same God who created us? What if we began to care more about others than ourselves? Our nation has largely turned its back on God, so should we be surprised that there's so much division in our world? The steps to reconcile this angry, frustrated nation are simple. Mark 12, 30 and 31 says there are two things. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God love people. Maybe the change that we are so desperate for is not found in politics or movements, in proving points or pointing fingers. Maybe the change starts with following two simple instructions that our Creator gave us. We've crossed lots of lines, some lines we've stepped way over. That's why it needs to start with us. We need to change. I need to change. I don't know what it's like to be African-American in our world, and I never will. Don't hold that against me. Instead, let's be for one another. Let's cheer for one another. Let's find the common ground and overlook the differences. Could it be that simple? We've tried and tried and tried to find the answer. It seems we keep screwing it up more and more. Maybe it is that simple. Maybe we should give it a try. What do we have to lose?